and welcome to Are Weeb There Yet? An exploration and education in anime. I'm your anime idiot, Patrick Dugan. I'm an anime expert, Dana Hollander. And I'm Brenda McCullough, your anime egg. Now hold on, wait, hear me out. It's an <laughs> egg because, like the title says of the episode, we're watching Ghosts in the Shell. And an egg has a shell... And the inside of it could have been a living creature at some point, but so it it's like a see, ghost. It didn't have to explain it as a thing because we got it. Did yeah, because like, it's a real stretch. Oh it's a man, real stretch. I mean, as soon as you said egg, I think everyone's mind goes like, "Oh yeah, shell. We we got it." And then uh, two paragraphs later, here we are. Listen, I've had to justify my opening for the last 40 episodes. I figured I was just due for another one. Yeah, not, I not just, the, the general masses don't know egg, you know? It's, it's a really yeah. underground... It's kind of hip. Egg hasn't caught on in America yet. We'll, we'll get there soon. <laughs> Someday. Uh, but uh, helping us to uh, uh, get to the bottom of at least Brendan's psyche, uh, we have a guest this week. Good luck. Uh, you've heard him in Bioshock Infinite, uh, the voice of IFC, Star Wars The Old Republic, and the host of the podcast All Over VoiceOver. We have Kith Vandenhuvel. What's up? What's up? Thank you so much for having me, you guys. I'm so excited to talk about uh, this movie with you guys. Uh, and, uh, and just to be uh, in, the, in the room with you. It's, it's great to breathe your air. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We're breathing all over each other right now. We're really soaking right. up each other's essence. That's right. Five We're just away from uh, each other. Yeah. <laughs> violation of, uh, of, of state order. Yep. Hey, it's for We're art. Rebels. That's right. It is for art. Art is an essential business. <laughs> this is a performance art that no one's going to see. <laughs> performance audio. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Kiff, uh, you chose uh, this, uh, well, you introduced Ghost in the Shell, and we uh, decided to go with the original movie. Yeah. Uh, so what is your history with this franchise? Is this something you got in on the ground floor for, or uh, where do you stand with this show? Um, a little bit. Uh, I mean, part of it is a combination of, like, the... My wife and I always refer to it as like the VHS revolution that happened. I mean, I'm I'm a Gen Xer. I'm a little bit older than you guys, and like my my journey with animation with anime specifically is less in the um, in the uh, in the series sort of structure and more about the big theatrical releases in the mid to late mm. '90s. So like the things that I value programmed on were like Vampire Hunter D, Ghost in the Shell, Akiro's even before that. I mean, that was, that was the one that was just like, what is this? Like every (laughs) other animation I had ever seen was just American style, you know, whatever the stuff that we grew up on. And then, and I even, I kind of was just a little bit past like Star Blazers and some of those like classic after school, um, anime inspired shows. Like my, my first gen, like OG, um, is is Speed Racer. I've, I'm still a oh, massive yeah. Speed Racer fan, and um, uh, so. But anyway, like that love was kind of just feeling uh, unsupported and un unnurtured until my local video store started carrying a little bit more anime, and um, I caught up with the Ghost in the Shell largely because the cover art was like fascinating. Like uh, here's this this pretty cybernetic cop. And she's got a gun, and she's like, and I was also at this point also a big fan of Blade Runner, which is clearly uh, a oh. lot of overlapping mm-hmm. themes. 
Um, yeah. So when I got it, I was absolutely entranced by the music in particular, and then um, the visual style is really dynamic, and it's such a, it, it I mean, it's it it moves at such a strange pace. Um, I don't know. I, I've uh, but but I I caught up with it. I think probably the first time I saw it was maybe in like nineties. 96, 97, I think it came out in 96 in the U.S. So, um... Oh, oh, the year I was born. Was it real? Yeah. yeah. So I feel great. so baby. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I was born in 95, so uh, oh, I'm, man. In, I'm in the same boat. All right, <laughs> sorry, cool. sorry to do this to you. Dude, I'm Not so that, like... excited to, to be able to, like... Watch Pass this movie torch. with you guys. It's like, yeah. here's, here's a piece of animation that came out when you were born. And like, <laughs> does, this, does this resonate? Does it have any impact for you? Like, and then, but then also this classic anime style and seeing how it affects contemporary action films and mm-hmm. both like John Wick and you know what I mean? Like all those things. Like it's <laughs> oh, such yeah. a it's such a transformative film. So that's kind of my past with it. And I've always loved, like in particular, the music is just haunting and gorgeous and um, uh, and fascinating. And since since the the live action thing that they did a couple of years back with Scarlett Johansson, and now Ooh. I understand there's a there's a new series on Netflix. Um, oh really? Of Ghost in the Will Shell, a, like re- reboot. I think it's re- uh, I forget what it's called. But a friend of mine. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. Hmm. That I want to check out as well. And I know Standalone uh, is also out there. So I don't know. That's kind of yeah. my history with it. I love cyberpunk stuff, and uh, and this is super cool. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, you can't go wrong. Yeah. Go out. Uh, so yeah, uh, Brendan, you mentioned you've seen a couple episodes, but uh, you and Dana, have you seen any Ghost in the Shell series? I haven't, but like, of course, I know it because it is like this big. It's it's so popular. It's very famous. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely like put up on a pedestal, and I'm I'm so excited to watch it because it does really seem like my kind of thing, like the kind of movies I like now. I'm really excited. Yeah, I knew. Of it growing up, uh, and then uh, Standalone Complex is coming out like while I was like getting into anime and stuff. So I always saw it and caught it late night on like you know Toonami or Adult Swim or something. Yeah. Um, but I think as a kid, I couldn't get quite into the uh, complexity and the pro- police procedural elements of it. Yeah. When I was younger, so I was like, "Ooh, this is a, this is a little much for me. Give me just the flashy, you know, Super Saiyan power ups of Dragon Ball Z. Like I'll take that. I don't need to think for that." Um, so I, I definitely respected it. Like I definitely was uh, in awe mm. of the artwork and stuff. But I was like, I can't handle this right now. <laughs> so yeah. I needed to wait a few years and uh, come back to it. So I'm I'm excited to look, uh, to get into this because I loved uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner uh, was it 20, uh, 30, 20, 20, 2049. Yeah, twenty forty nine. Yeah, I love it so much. I don't remember the title. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Did you see, true fan? By the way, did you see the interstitial stuff that they did that Denis Villeneuve shot? Um, he had three different nice artists stuff. tell three stories that were oh, in yeah, between yeah. Blade Runner to twenty forty nine, and there's one chunk that's completely animated. That's yeah. fabulous. Um, and that's actually getting a series now. Is it really? So this, yeah, so it was originally just a small short for that, and now that's turning into a series. I don't know how much of a series, maybe like six episodes, but yeah, that's being reworked into a full series, and I'm very excited for that. Oh, man, that's great news. That's yeah. awesome. It's so good. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm all of a sudden so excited, too. I can't believe it. <laughs> you should be talking about Blade Runner right now. 
<laughs> yeah, scrap this. We run our podcast now. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, I am interested, uh, Brendan, how you're going to like it, because uh, a lot of the things <laughs> that you bring to us that uh, we uh, shit on are police procedural animes. <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, I feel like this is in your ballpark. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm very comfortable here already, because we had... Uh, Darker Than Black has similar tones, and, like, Psychopath has similar tones of, like, yeah, it's a cop, uh, supernatural kind of cybernetic stuff, so I enjoy those, so I'm I'm on board for this already. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, without further ado, shall we hop on into it? Let's watch it. Yes. We're not watching episodes this week. We're watching a whole dang movie. Finally, I've collected all seven Dragon Balls. Now to make my wish. Shenlong, come forth! What is your wish? I wish that there is a podcast that combined Dragon Ball with improv comedy. That is beyond the scope of my power. Yeah, I figured. Because this podcast you seek already exists. What? But I'll let these two hosts explain more. Thank you for the introduction, Shenlong. We're Kame House Party. I am Aaron. I'm Vince. And we are the only improv comedy Dragon Ball podcast in the universe. We go through every iteration of the Dragon Ball franchise, episode by episode. We've covered the original run of Dragon Ball, and we just started Dragon Ball Z. But don't worry, you don't have to start from the beginning. Because each week, we do a one-minute roundup where we summarize everything that has happened in Dragon Ball thus far. New episodes come out every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. A new episode just dropped. My wish has been granted. (laughs) I think I understand this movie. (laughs) Oh boy, that's a big it's, statement, dude. Yeah. Yes, I. Uh, it's a a big leap of faith, but I think I can confidently say, I think I understand it. I got a loose premise. What? Well, what? What makes you say that you feel like you think you understand it? Like what? What are the? Uh, share it back. Uh, like what? <laughs> what? What aspects of it? Plot or theme or like what are the? What are what's? What's at the heart of what your of your declaration? <laughs> yeah, like uh, going through it, sort of since it ties everything together at the end. Uh, for the first seventy five percent of this movie, I was going, "Boy, I hope I get a resolution because I'd love to understand <laughs> what's going on." But uh, uh, but yeah, th- uh, definitely, I was feeling this sort of as like a tone piece going through it because it is just very. Uh, like cyberpunk and has like this very distinct style and like the designs of the art and the city and all that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll get into the plot because there's some uh, uh, sort of subtext some that shit. you really need to latch on to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's let's hop right on in at the beginning. Uh, so we get a little introduction saying that we're in the future uh corporations are uh big and uh we're out in the stars and all that but uh technology and computers have not gone so far to like eradicate like 
uh, eugenics and uh, do all that sort of like bad stuff. So it's like, hey, we're in the future, but not like future future. Not the yeah, good right. future. <laughs> it's not. It's not the utopia that you would hope. There's still there's still clans and racism and all that yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just have data and cyborgs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, something new you to know. be racist against. That's right. <laughs> Great. Perfect. Uh, so we start uh, with a uh, a computer tracking uh, people out in the city, and we see our main character. Uh, oh God, I mangled I my handwriting at the top of the notes. Major, um, call her Major. Yeah, Major yeah. Kusanagi. Uh, I have scribbles in a place where a name should be. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, she's up on a rooftop listening into a conversation in the building below her. Uh, she has a handler speaking through uh, radio through her brain, yep. uh, uh, talking uh, about uh, it's time to make her move. She uh, unjacks some wires from her neck, uh, strips down, and repels off the building. As we're doing this, uh, we see uh, police formations uh, pull up into this building. They're about to kick in the door, and we see that the uh, people inside this meeting hear them and start to open fire first. Uh, Their boss is like, hey, what are you doing, you idiot, stop, and they... uh, let the police come in and have a confrontation. And uh, they're talking about... Uh, s- uh, sorry. I've seen this movie like 20 times. I did not really fully get like the, 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 like, the stuff uh, regarding like political asylum that yeah. is, is happening in that moment. Until, like, this viewing, like, it really resonated. I mean, I understood mm-hmm. it in the moment, but it doesn't seem like it was the crux of everything. But, like, how that, how the issues of immigration all of a sudden, because of the country we're currently in, uh, it, it's just the movie seems even more prescient now that it's dealing with, like, you know, asylum and political oh, asylum yeah. for this puppet master. You know, mm-hmm. anyway. yeah, yeah. They talk about like different regions. There's uh, countries and sections that have their own jurisdictions. So uh, there's a lot of like political chess going on in the background of the action that happens. So uh, uh, <laughs> please assist me if you feel me <laughs> floundering. We. We've all seen Chekhov smoking refugee before. We are familiar with this. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so uh, this is a political figure who is uh, uh, claiming asylum in this city. Uh, it's the city of Newport City, which is uh, it strikes close to home because <laughs> that's my hometown. <laughs> uh, it's good to see Rhode Island represent. Yeah. It takes oh, place yeah. in the major metropolitan Rhode Island area. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, he's talking with some programmers, and they're talking about how, uh, oh, you're uh, uh, kidnapping, and we could bring you up for charges for like smuggling these programmers and into this uh, sector and all that stuff. So uh, he's in trouble. But before anything can happen, uh, uh, from the window, uh, the major. God, I'm gonna just write in big letters <laughs> her name so I can see it and not have to look back into my notes. <laughs> Kusanagi. Got it. Okay, yeah. cool. Got it. <laughs> so, uh, Kusanagi uh, 
uh, opens fire and takes out this asylum seeker, this uh, uh, political uh, refugee. Uh, and as the police go to return fire, she jumps off the building and cloaks herself and becomes invisible and disappears. I mean, have you really lived unless you've based off the, off of a skyscraper and a complete right. new to assassinate a political figure? Right? Yeah. I can't it's... say I have. <laughs> oh, you have? Uh, it's great. I, I have Try it. I, uh, yeah. I'm you haven't waiting. lived. <laughs> I know. I have a group on. We can do it uh, once this <laughs> is all over. You can do it off the building downtown that has the big uh, Pepsi logo on it. Uh, yes, <laughs> perfect. They have the, the the cloaking is actually, it's actually a uh, it's a canvas that's printed with the picture of the ground that you have to wrap <laughs> yourself up in. <laughs> Perfectly aligned. That's right. <laughs> now, I was actually a little confused here already. Did she take out the guy who was seeking political asylum, or was she taking? Did she take out the guy who was offering political asylum? Seeking. I think she Seek. she takes out the diplomat fra- who was trying to defect. I oh, think, okay. Because she, yeah, she assassinates uh, a diplomat from a country uh, to stop a programmer from defecting. Yeah, so that guy is trying to get... Um, and th- so that that's why the follow-up meeting that takes place with uh, the guy who's in charge of Section 9... Um, mm-hmm. The major's boss, the the old man. Yeah, um, that's why he's like, "Thank you for having for dealing with our uh, political problems." That was uh, that was really helpful. I, I liked how you guys handled that. It was better than the sort of diplomacy that we have to do that takes so much time. Um, gotcha. Okay. That okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. So we go into the opening credit sequence, which is just a beautiful sequence of sort of like the cybernetic factory of uh, these uh, uh, cyborgs being created as they're flowing I through loved, tubes, floating in water. I loved every second of this. <laughs> every second of it. So it's, incredible. Oh my! So I love it. Muscle and sinew being built and attached to the body. Yeah. And the eerie music, yeah. very reminiscent of uh, the music in Perfect Blue. And oh, more recently, yeah. Us. Mm-hmm. Jordan yes. Peele's Us. Oh, yeah. yeah. Michael Abel's score in Us is freaking incredible. That yeah, of, I love it. That minor key stuff with the taiko drums playing throughout. and Oh, it's so mm-hmm. freaking cool. Uh, yeah, so we see uh, uh, the uh, scene you mentioned of uh, Helicopter Land. A uh, 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 big boss comes out, and they talk about how they're having some issues with the neighboring country of the Republic of Gavel. Uh, there, uh, there are issues over foreign aid and a uh, Colonel Malice who is uh, uh, seeking asylum. So there's sort of a uh, we can either give this country aid and kick out their asylum seeker or protect this asylum seeker and deny them aid. So it's sort of a lose-lose situation that they're up against. So they're uh, trying to figure out what they can do to resolve this diplomatic issue. And part of that was the assassination of the diplomat from uh, the previous scene. So Mm. we are introduced to the uh, boss of uh, Kusanagi, uh, Oh, lost in my notes. God, I just call him Chief Aramaki. Chief, yeah, Aramaki, Chief. So, Chief, they're going into a lab where they're uh, studying an interpreter to a minister whose brain has been hacked. Um, so, this took me a little bit to figure out. Uh, I 
they talk a lot about ghosts and how their ghosts are hacked. I thought at this point that ghosts were part of a cybernetic thing, but is that more soul related? I think it's more soul related. I always read it more as, as your soul or your who you really are being that Mm -hmm. the one thing that is, I I think that's what's so terrifying about the idea of being able to hack that, you know, um, Mm -hmm. sort of the consciousness and humanity is being hacked rather than like, it's fine. If my cybernetic arm gets hacked, I can replace that. But if my soul is hacked, that's all I got. Yeah, exactly. That can't be uh, recreated in a lab. (laughs) That's right. Uh, so, uh, her uh, soul ghost was hacked, and they're uh, talking about how they're tracking a hacker named the Puppet Master. And they're worried that the Puppet Master is going to use this hacking to try to assassinate uh, political diplomats in a big meeting that they're having uh, to resolve the uh, Republic of Gavel issue. So, um, we uh, see that they are uh, tracing the signal uh, for where the hacking originated from, and uh, we s- sort of get an introduction to the uh, the police team, the the crew, if you will. <laughs> yes. um, so uh, we. Oh, God. I, I switched to a new notebook. I ran out of my old one, and it's a different format than I'm used to, so I'm a little thrown <laughs> off, so please forgive me for my <laughs> disarray. Um, so I didn't uh, take as many notes because I fully just got swept up into this movie. I forgot we were yeah. recording something. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Uh, so uh, they're uh, in pursuit of the hacker's signal. Uh, so then we see... There's some trash collectors out. Uh, one is uh, working on at a phone terminal, has like a chip doing some stuff. And it looks like he's trying to hack it. Uh, but once he gets into the truck, uh, the other driver's like, what are you doing? We're late. Come on, let's go. He's like, uh, yeah, sorry, I got to do this stuff. I'm My wife is divorcing me and I can't like see my kids. So I'm, I need to try to hack her so I can like figure something out get some leverage so i don't lose custody of my kid uh so yeah there's uh we get a little subplot going on here uh and as uh they drive away from this terminal going on their route uh the police car drives up to where they just were and they investigate the terminal and they're like okay this is definitely the source but of the hacking but i don't see anyone around what who's uh, who, who's got eyes on the situation? And luckily, uh, a late neighbor comes out with a bag of trash. And he's like, oh, I just missed the truck. But uh, can you take my trash, officer? <laughs> You're not busy. Uh, but when he mentions that he thought he had time because the trash collector was at the phone, uh, the cop's like, oh, it's the trash collector. That's who we're after. Uh, no one would suspect them because there's a lot and... Uh, they're just on a set path, so uh, they start going back to the command and trying to uh, track down all the uh, trash collectors in the area, and they uh, start to pursue. Um, Can I just say, by the way, your your notes are incredibly thorough, and I'm incredibly <laughs> impressed with, with your note-taking skill. 
when I can read my handwriting, it is clear. <laughs> so the uh, truck is past the next terminal. Um, or See, I immediately got lost. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I, won't, I promise Jeez. I won't praise you anymore, Patrick. I'll keep that <laughs> Thank you. He thrives on negative critiques. That's Northeast for you. It's a better motivator. Yes. Um, so, uh, there... Uh, uh, someone makes a call to the trash truck, uh, letting them know that the police are on their uh, tail, and they flee. They uh, abandon their route, and they're just trying to get out of there. Um, as they go to pass the next terminal, um, there's a man standing at it, and uh, the man there, with his beautiful cybernetic eyes, can see <laughs> the trash truck just mouth they know, and the police car uh, approaching behind. So uh, he pulls out a machine gun and uh, disables a truck, flips it over, and uh, puts in some high-velocity bullets and armor-piercing rounds to just destroy this van as the police jump out and uh, hide away. Um, I'm sure he has an innocent reason for doing so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you're tracing. You're chasing these trash collectors. They're valuable members of society, man. Yeah, defending them. That's right. Blow up their freaking truck. Yeah. <laughs> Armor-piercing bullets. My God. Who doesn't have those? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he then cloaks himself in the same sort of uh, camouflage thing that we've seen earlier. Uh, uh, one of the cops uh, has a. Uh, uh, infrared scanner or thermal scanner so he's able to see him and follow him and track him and he chases him into a busy market uh, and uh, he c- uh, continues the pursuit uh, they uh, exchange fire and he the uh, perp jumps into a canal running over boats trying to escape uh, but Kusanagi is there uh, waiting and uh, fires on him then uh tracks him down, uh, takes him out with some hand-to-hand combat, and then they uh, uh, have their uh, quote-unquote perp uh, and main suspect down. Like, I know a lot of the people in this show are either full robots or androids or cyborgs, but, like, seeing the fight scene where she just, like, grabs his limbs, like, he kicks at her and he grabs her, she grabs his foot and just twists the full foot around. Oh, my God. Like, his hand around, Mm. just like, oh, no. Yeah. Just brutal. I think Kuzanagi is really the only one of these cops who's, like, almost fully cybernetic, right? Like, aside from her ghost, she's almost exclusively artificial. Mm -hmm. And where, like, her partner, Batu, with, like, who has those those cool, like, like coat caps for eyes. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> there's that great conversation in the, in the um, it was one of the notes I made, like, that conversation when they're on their way to tracking those trash trucks where one of the partner who's driving Kuzanagi in the truck is, like, mostly human, she says. Yeah, and, and mm-hmm. he's new to their squad, and she's like, "The reason you're with us is because you are human, and even when you've got a bunch of perfect, what is it? Something along the lines of like when you have a bunch of perfect entities, you want to have something that's imperfect. Otherwise, even a perfect system will break down if it's all the same. Like that. Yeah. That <sighs> idea was really poignant. Of like, 
we our diversity is our strength and the variety mm-hmm. and the way you're going to think of things as a human versus the way my the way I will um, is is something that's valuable. It was just a super cool observation. Yeah, oh, sort of sense. like giving value to the unpredictability of human behavior over like the predictability of AI programs of like yeah. if if you run I will pursue. Uh, but a human may have variants that you can't predict and work against. Exactly. And that ties in great with the overarching theme of the movie because it ties in great with like one of the ending scenes we'll get to eventually, but like I didn't even realize that. Damn. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> uh, so uh, they captured their man. Uh, we see Aramaki is tracking another uh, political person that he suspects is involved, going into a meeting uh, uh, where given sort of information about this guy, but it turns out these are implanted memories, and it's actually fake. This is another person that's been hacked by uh, the puppet master, and uh, he is sort of using random people to uh, clear his tracks. Yeah. Yeah. This was so scary is like, even uh, like normal people just have stuff in their brains, mm-hmm. like so anybody can get into them. Like even the even the guy who they who was working on the police force, and they say like, "Oh, you're human." He still has stuff in his brain because he can talk to Kusanagi and yeah. Vatau, and so yeah. anybody, it's uh uh scary. <laughs> anybody could get their get soul hacked. hacked. And when they're, when they're interrogating that garbage truck driver and telling him, you don't have... Because he's like, oh, my wife's going to divorce me. I'm lose my kid. And they're looking at his photograph that he was trying to show his buddy in the in the trash... In the, you know, in the, mm-hmm. in the trash in thing. the truck. And yeah. it's like, this is you. This is your picture. You are... You're a single man. You, <laughs> you've lived in this place for 10 years. You don't have a wife. You don't have a child. And like that... That kind of like now, now that you've been hacked, you've got to un, and you can't lose those memories. Yeah, those implanted yeah. memories are with you forever. So, the the way that that hack worked, like, fuck that guy's life up forever. <laughs> I mean, it's mm-hmm. really, it's really it's insane. wild. Yeah, yeah, because he has like a general idea that I'm married and have a kid, and we're going through a divorce. But when yeah. they're like, okay, uh, when did you meet? Uh, when was the date of your wedding? What uh, how what did you bond over? And ask for like the specific details, and he just yeah, can't nothing. grasp it because it's sort of yeah. just well, I can't, I don't need to challenge these memories because yeah. yes, it's an objective truth. They're like facts that you have in a dream that when you try to unpack it, it they're threads that just vanish into the ether. Yeah, yeah, or like or like the Mandela effect, but ten times worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I felt ba- real bad for him because he seemed like tearing up. He's like, "Well, yeah. can I get my memories back?" And they're just like, "No, like <laughs> we don't." You can like yeah. technology is great right now, but not that great. Yeah, there's like right. ways yeah. you can like compartmentalize stuff. But he's like, in the end, you're never gonna fully get your real memories back. Like you're just gonna have to like know which ones are fake and which ones are real. And I was just like, "Oh, that sucks." Yeah. Oh, that's brutal. Um, yeah. So uh, they finish interrogating the trash truck driver, and. Um, they're saying, uh, uh, yeah, we get a little interstitial of like the major reflecting on this and kind of deepen her thoughts on like, you know, who who knows what they know and like what they know is actually real or not. Um, and it's like while she's deep in her thoughts, it cuts to her 
like in a scuba suit uh, swimming underwater. And we see her just slowly drifting up. And I thought, for a second, I thought this was like her, like in her own mind, it was supposed to be like a metaphorical scene. But I'm like, but then why would she need a scuba suit? And then she actually breaks the surface. <laughs> I was like, oh. She's actually okay. <laughs> Even in my dreams, I follow pop- proper procedure. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's be Otherwise, how can I breathe in my dreams? I'll suffocate yeah. in my dreams. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, we see her come up uh, above the water and swim over to a boat and climb up. And uh, Batu's there, and he's kind of just like, "Why does a cyborg need to like need a hobby and go out and like dive in the ocean? Like, why is that your hobby?" She's like, "Ah." It feels freeing. It's cool. It's like dark down there. I can like let my mind wander. It's like, uh, why not? Let cyborgs have their fun. <laughs> and, Chill. Uh, <laughs> relax. Why do you collect stamps, Batu? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we cut to them uh, talking for a bit, and then it jump cuts to uh, them on the boat at night, looking out of the cityscape, having a few beers, and uh, Batu starts asking her. He's like. Do you want out of Section Nine? Like, are you done with this? Are you trying to like plan your next step when you're not working here anymore? And uh, she starts just talking. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say like philosophically, but just kind of talking about like how much you how much of you is organic, Bati. Like, how much of you are a cyborg? Because we yeah we find out later she's almost entirely a cyborg except for her brain, I believe. Yeah. Um, and she's like, cyborgs are great. Like, we can drink beer. It metabolizes almost instantly, but we don't have hangovers. We don't stutter. We're like, we don't... They get, like, the benefits of feeling drunk, but they don't have, like, the uh, functional debilitatingness of being drunk. Yeah. And then, like, no uh, consequences the next day. She's like, being a cyborg has some amazing properties, and if, you know, a few high-maintenance checkups every now and then is the cost of it, then so be it. Like, we're functionally immortal then. And she's just spouting about, like, what it is to be a cyborg for her, but also lamenting, like, there's a degree of, like, sadness yeah. in her speech where she's like, it's great, but it's not. Yeah. It's, like, a really, really uh, interesting tone it had on the whole scene. Yeah, because yeah. she talks about, like, uh, since I just woke up in, like, full existence, I don't know where my brain comes from. Was I a person before this? And then they put my brain into the cyborg. I don't know my actual origin. I just woke up one day and was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. It's yeah. <laughs> full consciousness at a moment's notice. Um, it's, such a, it's such a strange moment in the film, too. Like, there's this, like, the way that whole, that sequence is very kind of, like, it's relaxed, and you see her kind of at kind of at peace and stuff. But then the mm-hmm. then the shot shifts when she has that monologue, where the camera's like at a lower angle, and she's backdropped by the city, and it's really intense. And it's, yeah, it's yeah. just has this really different vibe where it's almost like she's cussing him out. It's a really yeah. It's an interesting <laughs> choice. I mean, I'm I'm like querying online to try to find like that that particular speech because there's so much stuff in embedded in there like the, what you were talking about about how great it is to be this but then you know what you sacrifice for it it's really something else yeah mm-hmm. it's really intense and uh she's talking about like uh how she's been feeling like confined and that's why she likes diving in the ocean huh. because it allows her just to be like free and it's kind of like it's almost like there's no clutter at least the se- shot we saw of her in the water it was just like vast openness rather than mm-hmm. like you know the hustle and bustle of the city and all these very condensed 
packed shots we see of the city and like the slums and stuff and how how busy it is all the time yeah um and uh after she's done saying that we hear um so like with cyborgs they can talk telepathically with each other like through links and we hear the major's thoughts talking but they both like perk up realizing like that's not her like it's her thoughts it's her voice in both of their heads but she's not the one saying it so both kind of catches them off guard of like what the hell was that just now I got chills so many individual moments in this movie. It's, like, wild. And uh, then we cut to uh, another kind of, like, small montage of just, like, the cityscape and establishing shots of a lot of the city. And um, really just sets a tone of, like, you just see some of the higher-end buildings very neat and futuristic and, like, utopian. But then you see the very compact, dirty, rusty parts. And, like, it's a boat going through the city, like, in a river like Venice. But it's... It's really interesting shots and, you know, sets the environment and setting. And uh, one of the shots we see is a woman in a cafe, like, having a drink at a table by a window. And when she turns, it's the major. Yeah. But then when she turns, she's looking down at someone. And the camera turns around at the person she's looking at. And it's also the major on the boat, like, going through to the city. Mm-hmm. And that's one where I was like, what? What? Is, what happened? What? <laughs> Who? How? Uh, <laughs> she's so fast. <laughs> Because, like, I know she's a cyborg. <laughs> she did a wardrobe change, like, off camera. Right. Um, we saw her being made. Like, the cyborg we saw being assembled was her. So I was wondering, I'm like, is that just another model of her model? Like, is that just the same brand huh. where you would see each other in the city? Or is this, like, a psyche thing where she thinks she see? Because we already established that the guy looking at the photo thought he saw his wife and daughter. But it was yeah. just a picture of him and his dog. Right. So it's kind of just like... Oh wait, what? Who? What is real now? Yeah. And now we're yeah. taking it from her perspective, so we can't trust it. So it makes it really tough oh. to gauge. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's really yeah. creepy, despite being like not a horror movie and like a pretty futuristic movie. But like, there's no like mysticism or magic. But it's just yeah. like, yeah. Well, well that's a lot it? of what I like about it is that it's not necessarily supposed to be scary. But there are all of these moments where it's just so eerie, unsettling, and yeah. you're just yeah, yeah, so at like just peak unease yeah it's great you know we're Um, coming we're coming off of this whole moment where she's talking about how alone or how she unique she is and then to look up and see an identical version of herself at a cafe in some random place Mm -hmm. calling into question her uniqueness it's really powerful oh yeah that's a good Mm -hmm. point yeah oh it's just a great scene like between those two scenes it's just like really powerful yeah um and then we cut to a naked woman standing in the rain on a highway about to get hit by a trash truck. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, oh, Poetic. All right. Your poetry. <laughs> um, yeah, so we just see this woman. She's just standing on the highway, and we see a truck coming down honking at her. And uh, right as it gets close, it cuts away. Um, and then when we cut back, we see uh, it's kind of the camera like opens up again, and it's kind of staticky, uh, and it's from that woman's perspective. She's now in Section 9 in like a lab on like a table, and uh, kind of, I don't necessarily know what this was. I think it was kind of like an autopsy almost. Because mm. uh, then we see uh, the major come in and Bato and the chief kind of give her shit for being late. And uh, they're talking, they're catching her up on it. So they're catching up on us on it as well. And it's like, yeah, uh, this uh, woman was hit by a truck and they reported on it. So we went and picked her up because there was a... Uh, Megatech is a big company that makes cyborgs and cybernetics, and they are almost strictly working with the government. So almost everything they work on is classified and like NDA and like 
you know, no one can talk about it. And recently they had a cyborg just wake up and take off and escape. And it's this cyborg. Mm -hmm. And it's weird because there's no pre-programming in it. There's no instructions in her head. So there's no reason she should be moving on her own. So they're not sure why she did it and, like, why she took off and why she's here now. So they're suspecting it might be the hacker. It might be a Puppet Master-related incident because no one else can get through that level of security to hack into a company like Megatech to do this. So uh, in the lab, we see the woman kind of, like, just rigged up to a machine, like, on a slab on a table. And then her potty just kind of contorts and, like, kind of jitters a lot. Oh and it's just like, uh. once again, it's not horror, but it's really unsettling. <laughs> it's like the, yeah. the noises are, like, you know, it's not bones crunching, but it's, like, gears, like, rattling around inside this body as we see them. And it's like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, so they do the recap, and then it cuts back to uh, the whole Section 9 crew in the chief's office, and the doctor's kind of giving them a rundown of what he saw, saying, like, yeah, she's pretty much a blank slate, but one thing that's weird is we see, like, a trail, kind of like a prior ghost was in there, and uh, it was, like, copied over into her, but there's no sign of, like, degradation that you would see in, like, other copies. Like, every time you copy a ghost over, apparently it, like, degrades a bit. Yeah. And they're like, no, this one seems pretty clean. And it was in, like, her... It wasn't in her main brain. It was in, like, her backup brain. So it was kind of, like, hidden. So we're just like... It's weird. Like, this, this is one's weird. It's not, like... I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's not, like, lock everything down. This is our highest priority. But it's like, this is strange. And we should look into this more. Mm. So uh, they're starting to think, like, more and more it might be hacker-related to the Puppet Master. And uh, while they're talking, they kind of give the new guy... I, uh, I forget his name. Kawasa? I'd, I just called him Mullet. Mm. He's just my... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I not, never that's got fine. his name. <laughs> I didn't get He's, it either. Is that Ishikawa? Ishikawa, that's uh, No, it. that's that's uh, the guy with the beard that shows up a little oh, later. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is that... Damn, Ishikawa's okay. yeah, he's the he's like the like he's, he's like, like the Batu's partner or something like that with the beard. yeah because he was in the car with Batu when they were chasing the trash truck yeah and then Togasa um, is it Togasa Togusa yes Togusa Togusa that's the one yeah. Togusa he's he's but like mullet mullet is a much better name for him <laughs> yes he's yes. he's Miami Vice he's yes, got the blazer right. he's got the mullet like that's he's right, good man. to go 100%. I love the style. <laughs> And they're kind of telling him, like, hey, this is kind of a big deal because Megatech is actually the company where we, like, contract stuff from, like, because we are with the government. And that's where uh, the major, her body's from there. A lot of my part, like Batu's saying, like, a lot of my parts, my eyes and stuff are from there. And, like, most people in Section 9 are automated to some degree besides uh, Mullet and besides the Chief, <laughs> who have, like, almost none. Almost everyone else is, like, automated to some degree. So they're like... Yeah, we kind of want to know who's hacking into stuff so we don't get hacked. Like, yeah. so it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It just got personal. <laughs> <laughs> it came after my family. <laughs> and uh, we see the major get up and walk out, and she's uh, says she's going to set up like a brain barrier maze, like for this woman's body, like to look further into it because she's definitely more invested than everyone else because she it's so much of her body is cybernetic now. And uh, then, oh, man, the Section 6 chief arrives uh, with, like, someone else with him. And this is the guy who was invading the diplomatic asylum discussion earlier in the movie. So he's, like, the boss of Section 6, which is the 
Minister uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs, yes. I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he's coming into Section 9 now, and they're just kind of like, why is, why is he here? Why is he involved with any of this? He has no reason to care about this, you know, r- this apparent random woman that no one else should know about. And uh, in the elevator down, we see uh, Batu, the major, and Mullet going down. And uh, Mullet's leaving. He's, like, heading out for the day. He's going to his car. And the major talks to Batu one-on-one about, like, she's worried about her origins. And, like, like we talked about before, she doesn't know where she came from. She just existed one day and doesn't have any progression before that. And how, like, what part of you, you know, what determines what a soul is and, like, if... You know, a ghost is in a body and it's just a machine. Could it one day develop into its own soul and its own consciousness? And, like, stuff like that. It gets just real trippy. And I was just like, yeah. oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I should be sober for this conversation. <laughs> she says, like, all this, t- uh, specifically talking about the, the woman they found earlier. Like, you know, especially with her having, like, a ghost tracing, like, in her backup brain. Or like what if that was one that was like created within her and not implanted and stuff like that yeah. um and so Bati is like all right i know there's no talking out of this i know you're gonna go look into that woman's head just careful don't get sloppy and then it cuts to uh, we see mullet in the garage in his car and he notices the two other cars the sex and six guys came in and he noticed there's two cars even though there's only two guys that showed up so he's like huh that's excessive uh, let me look at the security cameras. And he just, like, uh, logs into security cameras, like, from his car. He has access, I guess. And uh, he brings up footage, and he's like, yeah, no, this seems right. Uh, the door was a little slow. The door should be pretty precise with how many people are entering. So it's weird. It lagged a bit when those two guys showed up. He's like, you know what? Let's bring up the sensor pad, the pressure sensor pads in the garage. And uh, sure enough, when he looks at it, for the two guys that walked in the building, they weighed over 1,000 pounds. And he's like, no, that can't, like none of them should be fully automated, and none of them are fully cybernetic. Yeah. So even no if they were, they're not like five hundred pounds each. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like, this is something's wrong here, and uh, that's when he goes back to the security footage. He's like, uh, the door's slowing down a bit. He's like, no, 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 someone's here. Someone's in camo, like the thermo optic camo we saw earlier, where he's invisible. Mm-hmm. He's like, and someone's falling behind him. That explains the weight and the the delay on the door. So he uh, messages, uh, it's a message to the major, I think. Yeah. And he lets her know. He's like, hey, shit's going down. Like, I'm I'm loading up. We see him, like, cocking his gun and stuff. He's like, get ready for something to go down with Section 6. And uh, that's when we see, cut back to the chief showing off the section, uh, showing off the body of the woman to the Section 6 guys, uh, the chief of Section 6 and the doctor. And uh, when the doctor goes up to, like, analyze the body, we see he put his hands on the keyboards and we see his fingers just, like, kind of detach at the joints and then just explode into a bunch of different little pieces. And he starts just, you know, typing a mile a minute on the keyboard with, like, 30 different, like, finger tips now. It's just like, cool. oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very He's good at the piano. <laughs> <laughs> Come check out my band this Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> Old-timey saloon with the piano. That's right. And uh, as he's typing away, we see the woman's eyes, like, look over at him and then look back at the two chiefs talking. So, like, she's still conscious. She's not, like, shut down fully. And the Sector 6 chief, uh, or the Sector 6 doctor confirms, he's like, yeah, this body was used by the puppet master. Uh, It's got, like, traces of him on it and stuff. So uh, we're going to have to, we're going to have to commandeer this body. We're going to have to take this back with us. And uh, 
the section six guy is just like um, they uh, kind of explains that they caused they're working with the puppet master. Alright, here this this one's like an info dump, so I might have been confused here. Okay. Uh, it's tough taking notes <laughs> during it. Yeah. So they were working with the puppet master guy and they were going after uh, eventually were going after him and they forced him to his explanation is they forced him to upload his consciousness into the body, into like one of the uh, cybernetic bodies, and when his mind was in there they killed his real body and now he's just kind of escaped and they've been trying to hunt down his like consciousness in all this different like data and in all these different bodies now yeah so he's like now that we found one we're gonna take it back with us because now he's like technically our prisoner and uh at least that's the explanation he gives to the section nine chief so uh mm. yeah and that was project 2501 right that's that's where that the, name of that comes from it was like project 2501 was that initiative to try to trap the puppet master's consciousness into something yeah, that's when he drops it for the first time. He lets him know on that. So, uh, thankfully, the Section 9 chief kind of recaps it for me. He's like, oh, so this is what you did? I was like, oh, thank you. Oh. <laughs> I got so lost there. Uh, and he's like, okay, well, if that's the case, as far as we're concerned, this is just another body from Megatech. Like, you know, it, we're not super, like, we don't have anything really attached to the body itself. So, like, if you guys need it, I guess it's yours. And, uh, it's about when he says this, the body, like, head lifts up and, like, starts talking. And it's the puppet master talking through the body, asking for political asylum, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Saying, like... We're back. We're back to politics. We're back to <laughs> politics. Digital politics now. And uh, everyone's freaked out. Like, what the hell? Like, it was supposed to be shut down. Like, where... It shouldn't be controlling itself. And, like, the doctor on the machine is just like, yeah, I don't... It's using its own power source. I got no explanation for this. And, uh... Yeah, the puppet master's talking through the body, saying, like, I am a self-aware, sentient uh, life form that, you know, deserves the same rules and laws that you guys have in place for yourselves. I'm asking for political asylum and safety from, like, Section 6, and that's why I wanted to come to Section 9. And the whole time, the two chiefs are just like, what the hell has happened? Like, no, you can't, you can't demand political asylum. You're, like, you're just a programming, and the puppet master goes off on this, like, long spiel of, like, what is life but not just like memories and what are memories but not just genes and humans and data and machines and like if they're the same thing what can we really prove is life and this whole philosophical speech rush is like oh man I'm still not <laughs> yeah. ready for this <laughs> yeah this is a lot just the whole when does yeah, AI has- just become sentient sort of question yeah yeah because I think one of the chief a- chiefs asked the specific question, like, how can you prove you're alive? And then he's like, well, how can you? And you're like, oh, no. Oh, oh damn. <laughs> you got me there. I wasn't especially, ready for this. Especially now, because, like, even the most human person we know of, like, still has a chip in his brain, like, so he can talk uh, telepathically mm-hmm. with everyone. Yeah. So, like, it seems like no one's clean. No one's completely organic anymore. Yeah. So, like, now the question is even, like, raised even further. And uh, right then we see uh, some gunfire shoot out through all the consoles, and we hear like a big uh, explosion happen. We see gas fill the room, and we see the pup master just like jump off the slab and like takes off, even though it's only half a body now. And uh, we see uh, the pup master's escaping, and it cuts to just the exterior of the building, and a hole gets blown out. And we see two guys jump down and get into a getaway car, and uh, they're using the thermo optic camo like we saw before. 
And uh, because he knew of it, because he was aware of uh, what was going down, we see Mullet out in the alleyway trying to shoot out the car, but it's all armored up. Uh, so he's able to... We see a trash truck come out and, like, block the alleyway so the car can't get away. And it gives him time to put in a tracker bullet and shoot it into, like, the license plate of the car. And mm-hmm. it, as, like, the car gets away, uh, we see, like, the trash truck driver give him, like, Mullet, like, a wave, like, hey! So I guess he's in on it. They set up a sting operation. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah they he uh like radios to batu saying like i got the tracker on them they're running this way uh looks like they're going up the highway and then uh he relays relays that to like the major so their whole group the whole section nine gang is all in on this and the major starts telling everything back to the chief and he's like well if if you guys knew this if you guys were planning this why didn't you tell me we could have like done something and we're like no because uh if we told you we might have given Section Six a heads up, mm. and we wanna we had to wait so we could implement them as well because clearly they're not telling us everything. Like the invisible guys came in with them, so something's happening, and they're not telling us the full truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we get that talk as the majors uh, loading up in a helicopter and taking off, and then we cut to like more cityscapes as like the whole city is like locking down, getting ready for this big chase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so shit's really popped off. <laughs> um, <laughs> Went hard real fast. Yep. And uh, the chief contacts um, the major, and uh, he tells her that her orders are to destroy the puppet master. And she kind of hesitates, and he's like, Major? And she's like, yeah, I get it. But she obviously very badly wants to do this dive into the puppet master's brain. Um so we see the chief order roads to be closed down and he wants to know who the guy that, uh, the guy with the spider fingers, he wants to know who that was. Um, and he also wants project 2501 to be looked into further. Um, so we're with, uh, the chief of section six, who is named Nakamura, um, and the other guy. Um, and it was at this point where I was like, it's hard for me to tell, like, who's on what side because like these guys seem like bad dudes but they also want the puppet master to be destroyed but i think it's because at this point the puppet master has gained consciousness and they don't want that (laughs) yeah sort of all sides just see this like evolution in progress and they're like no we got to stop this before it gets out of hand right yeah um so they talk about how they don't understand why the puppet master wanted to come to section nine Something is pushing him, but they don't really know what, and they joke that maybe it's a secret girlfriend. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the one moment of comedy in this hellish dystopia. I think we um, just invented jokes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we're in the helicopter with Major, and we get another one of those like prolonged uh, like transitional kind of moments. Um, just with, like, dramatic music playing on scapes of a rainy city. Uh, and then we see the whole squad, they're doing their stuff, and there's another helicopter with a bunch of police personnel, and they're pretty much ready, ready for anything. Um, and then it's at this point that Ishikawa, uh, contacts the chief about the Ministry of Foreign Defense, and he says he's found some juicy details that he might want to know about. Hot goss. Mm. <laughs> Juicy morsels, is what he says. Um, 
and he says that the guy that was with Nakamura is an American doctor who was heavily involved in researching artificial intelligence, and he headed a project with the ministry, and Daita was on the team as well, and he was, like, in the very beginning of the movie, and I was like, oh my god, so much stuff has happened. (laughs) Like, I recognized the name, but I was like, who? Oh my god. Comes full circle. Um, Yeah. Um, And what Ishikawa doesn't understand is that this project was started a year before the Puppet Master was even an issue. Even though they say it was supposed to catch him, this project had been in the works before he surfaced. Um, So Ishikawa says that he thinks that they don't want to catch the Puppet Master, but bring him back. Like, keep him contained. Keep him on their side. Um, And he says that he thinks the Puppet Master works for them, but went off the rails and they need him back. And if that comes out, it's going to be an international controversy. Um, And he can't gain any access to Project 2501, but the chief chief tells him to keep trying. Um, And then we see that uh, the target that's being tracked has gotten some backup, and they move uh, the body of the Puppet Master from the first car to another. Um, and the Major says, I'm gonna follow the second car. Like, something something in my ghost is telling me that that's what I should do. Got a hunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then a car chase continues. Um, and then Batu is close to the target, and we see the men inside, like, get ready, they cock their guns. Um, but surprise, they've been barricaded by the police! Um... And before anyone else can get to them, one of them, like, explodes? Yeah, I wasn't super <laughs> like sure. His insides just come out, and, like, I, it is unclear what happened. I think he was taken out because uh, uh, it looked like gunfire, so I think he was taken out. Because they show, like, police snipers like sniper. waiting off to the side, mm. but... I don't know why they would have just opened fire when they're like, all right, arrest. Yeah, they arrest the one guy and and then they just exterminate (laughs) the other guy. Yeah, like the damage, it it, to me, it looked like it was something inside of him coming out, but like, it's not clarified. Um, But he's, so that guy's dead. (laughs) Full dead. (laughs) He's gone. I saw Um, his insides. I don't think he made it. Yeah, Mm mm-mm. Um, but so that's when, uh, our mullet friend gets there and he's like, oh man, what a mess. And then, uh, Bato is like, I'm leaving. Uh, you get back up to the major right away. Um, so, uh, major in the helicopter has followed the second car to like an abandoned, like station, like a train station or like a ferry station kind of thing. Um, and the guy flying the helicopter is like, should we wait for backup? And the major is like, no, I'm doing this. I'm going to go down there and do it myself. Because again, she wants to get in those brains. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she drops into the building and she sees the car and then is fired at by a huge unseen enemy. Um, and she orders the pilot of the helicopter to shoot at the ceiling. And then once it falls, uh, a huge tank-like vehicle is revealed. Um, and she tells the pilot to leave uh, because she. this is when she says, like, I'm gonna do that dive. Um, and I, like, want this to be... She wants it to be, like, as least hostile, hostile as possible, 
even though she knows that that's what has to happen. Um, and then Batu kind of uh, chimes in and tells her not to do it, but she's like, bye, I'm disconnecting from you. <laughs> uh, she's, she's off the rails a little bit. Don't tell me what to do, Dad. Um, <laughs> There's a yeah, tank here. I think I'm going like, to fight it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think she, it's really just like she feels like this is like how a way for her to be connected to something else. Like yeah. she's like, I want to see what it's like. It, I, it's hard to explain. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like she, she wants to feel connected to something else. Uh, so this, this is what she's trying to do. Um, and she gets the tank's attention and it fires at her and they just kind of fire back and forth at each other. Um, until she's out of ammo in one of her guns. Um, and then the tank just sits and waits. Uh, and then the pilot contacts her again, and she's like, I thought you left. And he was like, I'm going to, but I want you to know that three other helicopters are coming. I'm leaving now. Good luck. So he's kind of on her side. Um, I was staying here while I was chill in the air, yeah. but now the air's getting a little crowded, so I'm out. <laughs> I got a, I got a jet. I got a bounce. Right. <laughs> uh, so uh, she loads another weapon and uh, she runs for it um, and the tank stops firing at her and she says like I knew you'd run out so I was like oh, okay so the tank is out of ammunition now um, and she takes off her uniform so she can do her cloaking stuff um, and then it attacks her again as she approaches so it wasn't out of ammunition but uh, she took the chance to get on top of it, and she is unscathed. Um, and this part was rough. Um, <laughs> Visceral. Yeah. Yeah. She gets on top of the tank, and she braces herself and tries to pull pull a piece of the tank up off. And it is so well put together, very <laughs> strong, that her arms rip off... And the sounds and the <laughs> visuals of it all is nauseating, but in a fun way. But in a good way. You know what I mean? In an artistic <laughs> but way. It, yeah. Yeah. And like her skin ripping, yeah. it's brutal. Yeah. It is brutal. Um, yeah. So she gets thrown off the top of the tank and it, oh man, it gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> it could get, it could get much worse, but, eh. um, and then the tank uh, reaches out an arm and it grabs her head and starts squeezing. And you just hear like more of that nasty like crunching. Ooh, yeah. It said in the subtitles on YouTube, I was watching it. I think it said moist crunching. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's no. like, no, you can't. Those words don't mean the same thing. You can't put them together. You're right. But you shouldn't say it. Oh, <laughs> Dry things crunch. Wet things are moist. You can't. You can't you combine have a moist them. Crunch. That's so true. You cannot have a moist crunch unless it is a cybernetic head being crushed by a giant tank. But Damn it, cereal wet. is a moist crunch. Damn it. Oh, uh, no. Oh, no. We're just... Oh, I can't just eat any cereal ever out again. It, it's, it's the wet, loose skin around the tight, crunchy, dry bones, and then you mush them together. <laughs> what was the Foley like for this? What was this made of? I put a bunch of Doritos oh in a watermelon. Let's put it in a bite. <laughs> 
Hey director, oh, how was that exactly take? It was, it was. <laughs> <laughs> disgusting. Cool I love I it. Love it. <laughs> yeah, but they put actual ranch in there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> 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 um, so it's squeezing her head, uh, but luckily, uh, Bato has arrived, and he has a big gun, <laughs> and he shoots the tank, and it is disabled, and he saves her. Yeah. Um, her. I mean, her body is. Done. <laughs> Fucked. Um, but she's her consciousness is still there, um, and like her first question is if the puppet master is still in the car, um, and he goes to check and it is still in there, and she's like, "All right, let's do this, buddy." Jackman. Um, and then the helicopters are on the approach, and they say that their objective is to destroy the puppet master and now Major as well. Um. So, Bateau sets up the dive, um, and he says that he's going to be monitoring her, and if she goes in too far, he's going to pull her out of it, because he doesn't want her to die. Um, so she goes in, and we have this visual of, like, her consciousness seeping out of the body that we know, and going into the body of the Puppet Master. Um, and now the Puppet Master is in her old body. Um, and he speaks, um, saying that he is involved with the government. Um, he's employed by government intelligence to install ghosts into the brains of organizations and individuals. Um, but once he gained intelligent intelligence himself, uh, they kind of, they labeled him as a bug, like he was defective and they wanted to isolate him by giving him a body. Um, and, uh. Bateau asks him who's calling the shots, and then Major kind of loses signal to the outside world, so she can't speak anymore through her mouth, and she can't see. Like, we see her vision freeze. Um, and this gets... This is... <laughs> this gets to be a lot. Yeah. This was really hard to process while also having to take notes. <laughs> so, like... I was trying to interpret what he was saying into my own words, but I was just like, I can't. Like, I was He's pretty much smart. just writing down what he was saying. Um, hey, these are fairly standard uh, uh, topics, you know, the evolution of cyborgs and all that. It's, yeah, I don't know how you were following. <laughs> yeah, easy peasy. Um, but so he, the puppet master, tells the major that he wanted to find her. And uh, he wanted to stay within Section 9, and she just wants to know why. Why me? Um, and he says, I'll explain, but I have a question for you. Um, and then he goes into this speech. I will call it a speech rather than a spiel, because, my gosh. <laughs> uh, he calls himself intelligent because he is sentient and aware of his existence, but he is incomplete. Uh, he... She says, you can make copies of yourself. And he says, well, yeah, but it would be so easy to destroy me or any of those copies. And essentially, he wants to be human. He wants to be able to reproduce as opposed to just make copies. He wants to reproduce people, uh, intelligence that can improve. Yeah. Um, and he talks about, <laughs> oh, he talks about like regeneration and genes. And he asks, uh, the major why he think why she thinks this cycle continues to be repeated even though it's not perfect um and she says i just quoted her she says 
to survive by avoiding the weaknesses of an unchanging system. Uh, And she's like, but what does that have to do with me? Why am I here? What do you want? Um, And that's when he reveals that he wants them to merge uh, to create a new entity. Neither of them will lose anything, but they also won't be themselves anymore. Um, And this is when, because Bateau can hear what the puppet master is saying, but not what the major is saying. And he tries to end the dive and he like reaches for the machinery, but there's like something emanating from it that like causes his hand to like curl back. And then we see this shot of the major's body, just like smiling at him menacingly. Oh my God. (laughs) So (laughs) good. Um, and like, I, like, I was like, of course, like, of course he would make it impossible. The puppet master, he's like this, he's perfect. He's a puppet master. master. You all acknowledge that he can hack your, uh, enhancements at any time. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) What did you think would happen? Uh, the the scene's also really good because in the abandoned building they're in, on the wall, there's like the alchemic tree of life behind them that got shot up during the fight. That's right. And that the yeah. top one is is humanus or hum, humorous or human, like at the top of the tree of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the peak of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, the helicopters have arrived. Um, we see that on the outside, but the major wants to know what will happen to her. She says, "What's the point of this? Like, I can't have kids. We can't bear children. Like, am I gonna die? Like, I don't want to die." Um, and he says that their offspring will be on the net, um, and that once he is finished with his purpose, he'll die too, but that seems like that's what he wants, and the major is like, okay, but, like, I'm not down for that, bud. (laughs) I'm not done here. (laughs) I didn't agree to this cult. Yeah. This, oh, I just had an epiphany. Uh Oh. Oh my god. Um... Because this is, like, the difference between the two of them. He says they're the same, that they're more alike than she thinks. But, like, he wants to be human. But, like, with the level of intelligence and, like, what he's seen in the network, he that's impossible for him. But for her, like, saying that she's not done and she doesn't want to die, like, that is so human. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm all over the place right now. My brain just, like, <laughs> galaxy brained. Whoa. So awesome. Ugh. I'm hot. Hold on. Give me a second. Got, this, got the sonic brain. Too much going on. Oh, like, Dana's been hacked. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so cool. Because it is. It's wow. the thing he says of, like, part of the essence of humanity is not only reproduction, but also mortality and ending and dying. And that's... Yes. Part of what he wants his journey to be, and part of hu- yeah. humanity mm-hmm. is about self-preservation and that that conflict. Oh man, because mm-hmm. I've, I've heard in a lot <gasps> of other stories like the drive to do stuff, the drive to make something of your life and to leave something behind for others yeah. is the mortality of humans. Because once, if you're immortal, why would you do anything? You have all the time in existence. Yeah, but it's that like small factor of time of like I only have so much time on this earth. I have to do this and that gives them the like, get up and go yeah mm-hmm. Ugh, i've been so emotional lately and like i'm literally tearing up right now. <laughs> this is too much for me um but so um he says that her identity will be altered but he doesn't understand why that matters because things should change mm. um but she still is like why me and this is when he says we're more alike than you realize we're mirror images of each other's psyche 
Um, and he also says here that he has accessed a network beyond her experience. Mm. It is, oh, I'm, oh, I'm like so, oh, um, like talking about it is really doing a number on me. Um, it's so conceptual. Um, it's like something overwhelming and powerful, like someone looking into the sun. Like it's something you can't even comprehend. Um, and he says that they're limited. Right now they're limited, but they don't have to be. And it's at that moment, mm-hmm. the helicopters shoot both of them and their bodies are destroyed. We see that their bodies are destroyed anyway. And the last thing, her Major's head survives this blast um, and the last thing she sees is Bateau, like, running toward her. Um, and then, uh, we see, like, a library kind of place, like a study, uh, and someone sitting in a chair, uh, and that someone is the major, uh, but she looks pretty different. Uh, she has her head, but it is now attached to a child's body. Um, and then Bateau comes in and he's like, hey, you're awake. Um, and she's like, where did this come from? Where did this body come from? And he's like, oh, it's the only thing I could find. I don't love it, but you're alive, so. <laughs> it's something. Um, and he tells her what happened after she turned off, kind of. Um, he says that Section 9 showed up and they took all of the remains that they could find. And they're calling it a terrorist incident. And now Nakamura is being questioned. Um, and all is accounted for except for her old body. Um, and she's like, is this your safe house? And he's like, yeah, you can stay here as long as you want. Uh, but she's like, no, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go right away. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but before she leaves, he asks what their conversation was like with her and the puppet master, because he could only hear one side of it. And he said, like, is he in you? Like, do you feel a part of him in you? Um... And she asks him if he remembers what she was talking about on the boat. Um, And she says that she understands what she was saying now. Because it wasn't, it was like the voice that wasn't her saying something she couldn't understand. Mm -hmm. But now she understands it. Um, Something about being a child and growing up and losing your like childish ways. Um, And she says she understands it now. Because she's no longer the major, nor is she the puppet master. She's something new. And in my mind, I'm like, well, that's kind of what the puppet master wanted, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she's the major master, or the puppet major. That's <laughs> 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 their ship name. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he tells her where the car keys are, and uh, he's about to tell her the door code, and she's like, is it 2501? Wink. Uh, and she says, like, that can <laughs> that can be, like, our password um, for when we meet up again. And she leaves. Um, and she's like, well, where do I go from here? The net is vast and infinite, and I see it all. I can do so um, much cool she- shit now. Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she looks out over the city, and as she does so, uh, the sounds of the city get louder. And then it's over. <sighs> Abs- absolutely buck wild. <laughs> it's very fitting that Batu was only able to find like a child's cybernetic body after the puppet master saying he wanted yeah. to reproduce and die. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. They kind of had their kid together. That's right. Yeah. 
It's very fitting. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that dude, was really good. Are we? <laughs> yeah, I. After we've just been gushing over for an hour. I definitely think talking it out was very helpful because yeah. I yeah, yeah I, I agree. Definitely appreciate it more after discussion than as soon as I stopped watching it because. Yeah. At that point, I yeah. was like, I think I get it. Uh, uh, sh- uh, sure, uh, there's heady stuff I'm not fully grasping yet. But yeah, um, mm. go, uh, having a, a film school <laughs> discussion afterwards definitely <laughs> helped my appreciation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, same. And hearing, hearing like everyone's kind of emotional reaction to it, too, is really fascinating. In that, like, going through it and unpacking what it you know, what this film is, is saying about the nature of humanity. And, and, you know, remember reading a quote with the director about, you know, he wanted to have, do something about the futuristic world, but how it really impacts our present day life. And, you know, Mm. I mean, you can talk about Alexa and digital assistants and all the other things, but then, but, but all the, the want, no matter how advanced it is, the want is still the same. Just to find some kind of mm-hmm. connection and know that you're not alone. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what, even with, Ugh. I've seen um, similar stuff too, like like Alexa and like Google Homes and stuff in series. Um, but in Japan, where it's just a small glass tube instead of like a disc. Oh, and it's uh, mm-hmm. projection. So it's like a little hologram character. And so much so that once you, oh, once you set it up, it can sync with like your phone. So that way it can even, like, text you and respond to you through your phone when you're out and about. That's crazy. And it was promoting because there's a large, uh, we talked about before, with, like, Japan, uh, Japanese society of, like, hikikomoris and, like, neats of people who are, like, kind of shut-ins and are, like, so isolated either from, like, working all the time, they come home for six hours to sleep and then they go back to work, or they're actually just shut into their house the whole time, that this was mm-hmm. made to promote kind of, like, a social stimuli without actually going out and meeting people and it was like a way of like giving people that comfort of like interaction even if it's through like a device and it definitely hit that weird line of like her slash like Blade Runner where it's like alright where are we where are we drawing the line here guys like yeah. this is hmm. yeah and, yeah. and is what point is it a tool yeah. and at what point is it just uh, sentience yeah yeah, yeah. And yeah. is is a line necessary? Like like to to escape the idea of judgment about whether whether life is or self awareness is organic is valid or digital is valid or either is you know like just this kind of uh, it's interesting going back to the very first slide identifying the fact that we still are caught up on on um, you know on 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 race and. And, uh, you know, that kind of stuff that, that, that there's a debate about the validity of an ascension that comes out of uh, a a non-organic space and Mm -hmm. we're the, we're the same when you break it down to its elements, you know, genes versus, versus data. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and, and who gets to make that decision and why do we need to make a decision? Why can't it just be? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm so, like, entranced by media like this, and I think it's so interesting that humans are entranced by media like Mm. this. Like, I can think of three things, like, right now, like, Bicentennial Man, (laughs) uh, uh, Ex Machina, and um, 
Quantic Dreams short film, Kara, that inspired Detroit oh, yeah. Become Human. Oh. I much prefer Kara over Detroit Become Human. Because mm-hmm. um, I think it just resonated more. I think Detroit Become Human is <laughs> yeah, <little> yeah. cliched. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I AI scares me. Like oh yeah, Ex Machina scared me, but like in a cool way, you know, the same way that this did. Like it just makes you like look within yourself, and you're like, whoa, yeah, gets, <laughs> jeez, gets real heady when you're looking back at yourself through like a robotic mechanical mirror. Because um, yeah, I can think of the same things even because I had like a sci-fi class in college of like. Blade Runner, uh, both movies and the book, because the book is a bit different. Yeah. Um, mm. uh, Mass Effect, which was one of my favorite game series of all time. There's a big, big subplot of like uh, this race of aliens who created AI, like who created robots to help them as servants, and then progressively the robots, you know, grew more with each upgrade and eventually developed Overwatch. Seven- Overwatch. Overwatch recently too. <laughs> yeah. Overwatch has that too. Yeah. Fallout <laughs> Four also has that, where uh, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the droids become real. Uh, yeah. But I know with Mass Effect, the robots uh, gain so much uh, self-awareness, they actually push the, uh, their creators off the planet and take over. And then there's mm. a divide within that group of robots and stuff, so it's nuts. Um, but yeah, uh, there's, it's such a common trope. Even um, uh, Frankenstein, yeah. you could argue, is yeah. mm-hmm. one of the uh, yeah. be, like first uh, points of sci-fi, because especially at that time, that was science fiction. But it was a guy creating life through something that shouldn't be alive, and then the the story is much the book is much different than all the iterations we've seen of like ah fire bad and like you know he's yeah. he's killing villagers and stuff. The book uh, the Frankenstein's monster is just like yo I'm lonely as shit. Can I have a girlfriend? Yeah. And the Doctor Frankenstein's like <laughs> no. He's like cool. I'm gonna ruin your life. And like it's a really interesting take because it's it's a an intelligent being and not just this like giant zombie. I. Um, I mean, yeah. it's funny. I, I, I donated a kidney to my dad 20-some-odd um, years mm. ago. And I remember, like, when we went through it, one of my cousins said something to the, said something to the, uh, to me of the effect of, uh, boy, it's too bad they couldn't just grow a kidney on a pig and give it to your dad instead of have, to have it come for you. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, we'll, we'll do it, you know, and... I made some comment about clones, or and he was like, "Well, clones would be fine because clones would have no souls." And I have a very religious family, and mm. I was like, "Oh, what? what where, where's, where?" And I was like, "That's an interesting uh, philosophical discussion to step into." And he was like, "Nope, nope, yeah. clones won't have souls. Period. Like there was just no discussion." That, just that. And it was this kind of this this blindness to the idea of, well, then what is life? What what is yeah. life really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, demarking. Who gets to, you know, based on based on end of life theory of major religions, you know, who gets to go to heaven or not? And uh, are you know, dogs mm-hmm. are sweet, but there's no dogs in heaven. You know, like this mm. kind of mentality. <laughs> that ain't heaven I want to be in then. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, uh. so I, I I love that that this picture it was such a cool surprise when I rented it that it was like asking these kind of questions and exploring these ideas and you know, it was just something I'd never seen done in, in in our like sort of American cinema. At least I hadn't, and what I had experienced anyway, in a, in a meaningful yeah. way. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, real yeah. real quick. Just you bringing up clones reminded me of another book from that uh, sci-fi class I had of uh, Never Let Me Go, which was turned into a movie in like 2010. And for anyone looking at it, it seems just like a coming of age story. Yeah. 
but the whole premise is it's these kids that were uh, born and raised in an orphanage, and they are clones. Oh, wow. And they, they simply oh. exist to be harvested for their organs. So as they get oh. older, none of the kids uh, get older than, like, 25, because by that point, they've had enough organs harvested from them. Their body starts shutting down. Oh, shit. That's, so it's this, like, wow. sci-fi dystopian, like, kind of future story, but with, like, no science in it at all. Like, it's, it very briefly discusses, like, hey, there are clones. It's not a spoiler. Like, they discuss it. Um, but it's not, like, in your face. It's not cyberpunk dystopian like this. But it is. it raises that premise of, like, can we just can we grow these life forms that have their own sentience and minds and feelings and souls and just pick them apart like you know like vending machines mm-hmm. and pick and choose and then just let them die at you know the ripe age of 16 yeah even looping back wow. into uh, the that. anime world of uh promise neverland of just children yeah. uh, being <laughs> raised for their meat and just like being produce and that's completely devoid of like sci-fi elements other than just like an alien monster-esque race and it's just like there's a farm there's a brick wall that they have to climb over and it goes from there yeah just uh, (laughs) well wow given how many things that you guys have watched over the course of 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 doing your show how does this piece uh reflect kind of you know because it's considered such a such a classic anime film how mm-hmm. has it how do you see it uh influencing other things that you guys have reviewed on the show or uh, uh you know or how how does it how do, how do you impact it in through the kind of through the lens of what you guys have been doing I feel like this is so much different than anything we've watched. I feel like even even if we watch like a horror anime like Promise, Promise Neverland or something more dramatic, mm-hmm. like nothing we've watched has tackled issues mm-hmm. like this. Um, the movies are always a little yeah. different. Um, like I think Your Name is something similar where it's like oh, yeah. heavier. Yeah. I love Your Name is my favorite movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I mean I love it. Like I said before, like I just love stuff like this. Um, I would def I would be so interested in seeing if there's any show that is remotely like this, other than the se- the series yeah. itself. Yeah, that's continued shows. Yeah, um, I can definitely see the like influential style because it is a classic. It is iconic. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I-, I can see it in like other media obviously yeah, like just yeah. style i don't know who's doing this sort of like extremely heady thing in like a 12 episode series but uh there's definitely you can trace this into like every i sort of touched upon how we've watched brendan's uh like uh cop drama animes and uh, <laughs> there's definitely the similar style from those oh ergo proxy completely oh, yeah. forgot about ergo proxy uh. yeah Definitely with the style and, like, it's so iconic, especially in, like, futuristic or, like, cybernetic anime stuff. It's, like, you can't find one that hasn't had a touch of Ghost in the Shell in there somewhere. Um, Mm -hmm. But because it's a movie, I think it can condense and consolidate the story so precisely that every point hits so hard, like we've talked about. Because I don't know know the last time we've had this in-depth of the discussion about the media we just watched (laughs) rather than do we like it or not. Wow. Um, but yeah, yeah, like Ergo Proxy or like Dark in the Black, mm. um, it gets to those points, but it's over the course of 
you know, six, eight, ten, twelve, twenty-five episodes. So the coherentness is stretched thinner between each one. Yeah. So it doesn't have as much of an impact as like a condensed hour and a half movie does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was worried here too that we wouldn't get like something good and satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it is shorter, but Ooh. it delivered. <laughs> it hard <laughs> because it also ends on a note of. Oh, just watch what I can do now. Just watch for the media that comes based on this. Just setting mm-hmm. up that founding mm-hmm. steps of, okay, now we can do some cool shit in this universe. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And, um, like, Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence um, mm-hmm. is, uh, is, is not, um, it's not this, but it, it has elements that are, I mean, just equally as challenging and, and beautiful. And um, it's, it's a fascinating piece in its own right, but it, it goes on a very different journey from what, from what this film does. And um, mm. uh, it's, it, it's just a visual feast. Um, I, I think that's, that's <laughs> what drew me to the series initially, but then, but then just being caught up in the, in the story and the questions this thing asks and the, the challenges that it, that it makes you confront uh, is it's just so incredibly satisfying. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm very likely to continue watching the series and the, <laughs> the other movies after this because yeah. yeah, I do love like Blade Runner and those types of movie, yeah. uh, stories so much. Did any of you guys see the live action with Scarlett Johansson? No, no. did not. <laughs> um, I, I did. I was because I was a fan of this. I was like, well. I like her. I'm I'm interested in it. Uh, I mean, I, it visually was See what they pretty, do. was a trip. Um, yeah. and, and there, there are, there are similarities. Um, it, it goes more into the identity of who major is and who major was and mm. who is her ghost. And I think that especially given, you know, the, uh, the backlash of the, the whitewashing with that particular film, um, yeah. what, what's mm-hmm. fascinating is that's addressed in the movie. Um, and, and mm. uh, which I had no idea that that was the case. And, and that film also has probably one of the best performances I've ever seen from any actor in any film ever. And it's, really? it's, it's mm. this, it's a, it's a, I believe it's a Chinese actress, um, an, an older woman. It, it's, it is like, it, it's, it's an extraordinary piece of work. And, um, and it came mm-hmm. out at the same time as Blade Runner 2049, roughly, and there is a lot of similar touchstones of, like, you know, holographic ballerinas and giant, mm. you know, and joy and all the other things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's far from being a perfect film, but, um, but a lot of these characters are there, and, and it's, it's an interesting watch, especially on the heels of this. Um, and, uh, and a great score, too, also by Clint Mansell and Lauren Balfi, who, uh, who just did... Sorry, I'm a nerd. Talking about uh, <laughs> <laughs> how dare you be nerdy so on an anime podcast, sir? <laughs> uh, Lauren Balfi does really, really beautiful stuff, and and Clint Mansell too did mm. like Requiem for a Dream, and like all of he did all of like oh, yeah. all those like uh, Darren Aronofsky pictures. His scores are just mm-hmm. haunting as shit. So anyway, there you go. Wow. <laughs> good, to, right. good to hear good things about it. Yeah, I, it's yeah. beautiful looking too. I mean, mm-hmm. really extraordinary, and um, and it's it's uh, it's a trip, man. I, I'm I might just watch it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> now that you're in the mood, yeah, totally. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us and and bringing this uh, 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 existential crisis with you. <laughs> my, my pleasure. And, and let me share this. This was just handed to my my wife. Heard me talking. And I I need to share it because the actress in the movie Ghost in the Shell, the live action, her name is Kaori Momi. Mom. It's spelled M O M O I, and she's a Japanese actress. Okay. And uh, and she plays um, plays a character in that film. She's just I mean mm. if they gave she should win everything it's an amazing performance amazing <laughs> subtle beautiful performance and uh, so that was my footnote to what I had said earlier <laughs> uh, I wanted to make sure I get that information correct uh, but dude thank you so much for having me on the show it's just been a delight to be able to spend some time talking about this fantastic movie with you guys thanks so much for having me yeah thank you so much for bringing thank it you. you bet yeah uh so where can I'm people gonna... find you online what do you have coming up that you're allowed to talk about uh let's see <laughs> I, I well i can say this i'm i'm gonna be uh i'm working on an upcoming animated series and uh on several new video games of titles that you guys are familiar with that are making more of them <laughs> going to be participating in them i can't say which ones but uh but they'll, they'll be coming soon and that's really exciting and fun there's some great projects that um that developers have been working hard at over the past couple of years that'll be coming out soon um and uh, in the meantime um i'm on uh you know various commercials and tv shows and uh i'm i'm always on richie rich on netflix uh, if you have kids in the house who haven't had a chance to watch the show yet, listen, we, we, we didn't make it for you. We made it for, for little kids. Um, <laughs> for new kids. But yeah. it's, uh, it's stupid fun, and um, I play the dad on the show. And, uh, yeah. And then I, I, I host a podcast called All Over VoiceOver, uh, talking to voice actors and directors and agents and casting people. And if people are interested in getting into voiceover, in particular in anime, I talked to um, a couple people who are who are very active in anime as well. There's some great episodes in that. And uh, just kind of demystifying it. And, um, you know, during this time while people are doing a lot of self and home recording, it's it's good to just bone up on, on skills and that kind of stuff. So um, that's what it's there for, all mm-hmm. over voiceover. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at KiffVH, K-I-F-F-V-H. Fantastic. All right. Thank you. Sweet. Thank you. And if there's a show you, the listener, would like us to watch, you can send your recommendations to us. Are we there yet at gmail.com is our email. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram. Are we there yet on both? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Patrick Dugan. You can find me on Instagram at Queen Period Weeaboo and on Twitter at Queen underscore Weeaboo and Queen underscore Weeaboo Art. You can find me on Twitter at ABTS Brendan. And uh, you know what? I'm going to give uh, Pinecast a shout out. It's our hosting service that uh, a buddy of mine and I helped to create. So if you like your podcast, you got your own idea, start one yourself. Yeah, get to it. It's yeah. There's no better time <laughs> to start a podcast. <laughs> You're locked inside. What anyway. else are you doing? Uh, thank you to Camille Ruley for our artwork, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme song, Stories Off the Album Beats. You can find all of Louis' music at louiszong.bandcamp.com. Thank you, and we hope you'll join us next week as we learn to live with anime. I'm gonna go lay face down on the floor. I'm gonna scream into the void for a while. 